All right, good morning. So glad you guys are here as we continue in this uh, review of our core values, the values formerly known as the five to essentials. These are our core values that we believe uh, lead us to Jesus-centered living. This is what we want. If you're a follower of Jesus, you want your whole life to be centered on Jesus, every part of your life to flow out of your relationship with Christ. And we believe that as we grow in these values, we grow in Jesus-centered living. And so we've talked so far about being self-fed. That is the idea that we are responsible for our, our spiritual growth. We're responsible for our relationship with God. And we take responsibility for that through practices like scripture and prayer, gathering with the church family. Uh, we talked last week about servant leadership and how servant leaders value uh, all people and serve people together. And today we're going to talk about being spirit-led, being spirit-led. Um, and what we believe about this is that um, Jesus-centered people are learning to walk and step with the Holy Spirit. All right, we believe this is what Scripture teaches us. So we're going to start with this verse from Galatians 5.25. We're going to circle back to this in a minute, but I want to kind of set the stage with this verse. So if you see something on the screen that's underlined, that's your part. I invite you to read that aloud. Are you ready? Okay. Galatians 5.25. Since we... Step with the Spirit. All right, let's figure out what that means. Uh, so I want to talk to you about <clears throat> bands and musicians and how bands stay together and play. Something that you may not know is that our um, musicians and vocalists, when they're on stage, they wear these uh, things we call in-ear monitors. And so they look like little earbuds, but they are feeding them sounds from all over, from the room, from, from all the different instruments, from the vocalists. And uh, one of the things that they hear in their in-ear monitors is called a click track. A click track is basically like a metronome that keeps time for them. I want to give you a sample of that. You hear that? Okay, that's called a click track, and that helps them keep time so that they can stay together. Two, three, four. I didn't know there was going to be uh, speaking in there. That was pretty cool. So um, one advantage of this click track is that um, it allows everyone to sort of stay on the same beat uh, at the same time. And so uh, for many musicians, it's kind of hard to get used to the click track when you're first starting out using it. Um, and it feels very restrictive because you've got this thing in your ear the whole time that is forcing you to play at a certain tempo. Uh, and so for many people, it's difficult, but uh, if somebody is not playing by the click track, it actually sounds really bad. So keep that going, Lewis, and we're going to have some help from our drummer, Camden, and he's going to play not on the click track, and you'll hear what that sounds like. I think he was mostly on it. He told me it's really hard for a drummer to not play on the click track. It is really difficult to do that. But what happens when somebody gets off is that it disrupts the whole rhythm of the band and everyone gets off because one person is off. So this allows everyone to stay on the same beat. So um, let's, let's hear Camden play something that is intentionally on the click and see the beauty of that. So go ahead. Great, thank you, Camden. You're, you're done, we appreciate your help. 
Okay, you can, you can kill that. That's starting to get in my nerves. I feel like I have to talk at a certain tempo. So uh, here's the thing. If you're a solo musician, you don't need a click track. Why? Because it doesn't matter if you play by a different tempo. You, you can change the tempo if you want to. You have that kind of freedom. But if you're not a solo musician, if you're playing with other people, even if it's just one other person, then staying together is crucial for the band's sound. For, it's crucial that it sounds good and everyone is able to um, play together. And so, like I said, for those who are new to it, it feels restrictive. It feels like it's taking some independence away. But what they learn as they get used to it is that it, there's really a lot of freedom in playing by the click track because once you're on it, then you can, you can use your voice or your instrument in, in some really beautiful ways that blend in with the other instruments and the other voices and create beautiful music. And so that click track is, is critical foundation and it's kind of a, a newer thing for um, musicians to be able to use to, to all stay together. And this is what we're going to talk about today is uh, music and click tracks. No, I'm just kidding. What, what, what I think is uh, the Holy Spirit is kind of like a click track for Christians. And it, uh, the Holy Spirit allows us to stay in step, not just with what God wants, but with each other. Because if, if we're all staying in step with the Holy Spirit, then we're also all in step with each other, right? And, and sometimes that feels restrictive. It feels like uh, taking my independence away to tell me I have to walk in step with some, somebody else's idea of what my life should be like. But I think as followers of Jesus, once we get used to that idea and we, we continue to trust him more and more, we find that there's a lot of freedom. There's a lot of freedom with, within walking in step with the Holy Spirit that allows us to work together with other people and create beautiful things. So let's dive into this text from Galatians chapter um, five today. Uh, first, I just want to uh, point out, uh, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough, I don't think, because it's still very mysterious to us, and, and sometimes it's hard for us to understand. So let me just give the basics. Um, we uh, believe that Scripture teaches that God presents himself in three persons. Those persons are the God the Father, God the Son, that is Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And we can relate to the Father and the Son because we know what a Father is and we know what a Son is. But when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit, sometimes we feel a disconnect there. We have a hard time relating to the Holy Spirit because we're just not as familiar with how, how do you have a relationship, how do you interact with a Spirit? And so for this reason, I think we need to uh, lean a little more heavily on teaching and uh, understanding the Holy Spirit so that um, we can interact with and have a relationship with this person, this part of the Trinity of who God is. And so this is what Paul is gonna walk us through some today in Galatians chapter five. So we're gonna pick up here in verse 16 and dive into to this teaching. Here's what uh, Paul writes. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the of the flesh. For the flesh what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Well, that's what we want to do, isn't it? Like as, as human beings, I want to do whatever I want. But Paul is saying there, there is, there, there's kind of two versions. There's two things in us, uh, two 
sources of desire in us that are fighting for control in our lives. And, and one is this idea of doing whatever I want. And the other is the idea that I, I actually should pay attention to what other people need and not just what I want. That, that sometimes I, I want to do what's good for others. And sometimes I just want to do what's good for myself. And Paul calls these two, good, two versions flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit. And he says that living by the flesh is captivity to selfish desires, but living by the spirit is freedom to want something better. And Paul boils this down to desire. He says, this is where it comes from. It doesn't just come from what you do. It comes from what you want. And the flesh wants something different than what the spirit wants. And because of those two desires in conflict with each other, we find that um, we, we have this internal battle going on inside of us all the time. I mean, you guys recognize that, right? There are times when you, you know what the right thing is, but you also know what you really want to do. And those two things are in opposition to each other. And so what I think Paul is trying to communicate uh, through this passage is that there is this sense where flesh and sin and self-worship, which is really kind of living by the flesh as a, as a term, uh, type of self-worship, it, it masks the image of God in us. So God created us to reflect his image and his goodness and his character in the world around us. But when we live by the flesh, when we allow selfish desires to lead us, that masks the image of God in us so that uh, that is not what's showing through. And that that is, in a sense, captivity. It's, it's counterintuitive because we think that, well, if I can do whatever I want, isn't that the definition of freedom? Isn't that what freedom really means, is that I can do whatever I want? And Paul would say, no, that's actually not freedom at all. If, if you're life is oriented around you doing whatever you want, you're actually a captive to your desires. There's this thing in you that's controlling you. This selfish desire is controlling you. And Paul says, true freedom is to live by the Spirit of God because you're created to live a certain way and the only way to live that way is to live by the Holy Spirit. So let's continue. Let's see what else Paul has to say about this. Uh, verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Okay, uh, hopefully you're aware that there's a lot more teaching about the Holy Spirit and Scripture than just this passage. And so in effort to try to not overwhelm you and cover everything Scripture says about the Holy Spirit, I've narrowed it down to this. But at this point, we have to kind of look at some other things because Paul is sort of bringing a lot of teaching uh, to bear in this one section. And so he brings up this point about you're not under law. And it's important that we understand what Paul is talking about. When he says law, he's usually talking about the Torah, the instruction that comes from uh, the Old Testament, specifically the first five books, and uh, probably in this case, he's talking about the actual laws, the 613 laws that you find in those books that the Israelites were called to live by. And so what Paul says in, in Romans is he kind of puts law and grace uh, in conflict with each other. And he says that, um, that these, two, these are two sort of options for justification. Justification is being made right before God, okay? So Paul says, you can choose to try to be right before God based on the law. That is, 
You're, you're going to do everything correctly and therefore you'll be right with God. Paul says that's, that's one choice. The other choice is to be made right before God by his grace, by God just saying, I love you, I accept you, you're welcome and invited. And that's another choice for justification. And Paul says, um, if you live by the Spirit, if you're led by the Spirit, then you, you are being made right before God by grace and not by law. So that it's your, your acceptance to God is not based on your behavior, but it's, it's based on God's grace. So does behavior matter? Yes, of course. Paul is gonna go right into this in just uh, the next passage. But um, what I think is helpful, what I wanna point out is uh, the difference between law and grace is law, law can't change my desires. Law just tells me that what I want to do is wrong, right? <laughs> That's what we find most of the time when we run into the law. Speed limit, 55. Oh, I wanna go 65 or 70, so that, that's wrong. Law just tells me that what I want to do is wrong, but the Spirit teaches me to want what is right. The Spirit can actually shape my desires to match with the desires of God. The law can't do that. And so there's actually more freedom living by the Spirit than living under the law is what Paul wants us to know. So let's, let's move into what some of these behaviors are. We're gonna get two different uh, lists of behaviors based on whether we choose to live by the flesh or by the Spirit. So um, 519, <clears throat> the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that Okay, that's quite a list there, Paul. I mean, he's really trying to cover all the bases of what it looks like when you live by the flesh, when you let your desire, whatever you want to do, win out. These are the kind of behaviors that you engage in. And Paul makes a very strong statement. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God because this reflects a choice to live by what I want versus what the Spirit wants. And that is called idolatry. Anytime we worship or we give control of our lives over to something other than God, it's idolatry. So it makes sense that idolatry will, will keep us out of the kingdom of God. And Paul says, this is a form of idolatry to the self of worshiping your own desires and what you want. So um, one question that just arises in my mind when I read that, especially the first phrase that Paul uses, he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. I have to ask myself, like, what if the acts of the flesh are not obvious? Doesn't it sometimes feel like we live in a world where there's a lot of gray area when it comes to right and wrong? And we, we find a lot of situational things where, well, this is, this is right in this situation, but in another situation, it's wrong. And how do we know when these things are produced by our selfish desires and when they're actually in line with the spirit of God. This is where I, I would just encourage us that our intake, what we immerse ourselves in, teaches us what's right and wrong. And if we're being immersed in the morality of our culture, if that's our primary intake, is the worldly view of what's right and wrong, then that will shape what we think about the acts of the flesh, what seems obvious to us. But when we're immersed, when our, our, our intake is primarily 
the kingdom of God and the things of God and the nature of God and how God created us to live, then we will more easily recognize the things that come from our own selfish desires versus the things that are of the spirit. So that's why, especially for our kids and our grandkids, we have to be very um, intentional about helping them immerse themselves in the teaching that comes from God's spirit and from his word so that when they encounter these other things in the world, they recognize them for what they are. So we need to make sure we're doing that. Uh, so let's continue. Let's read the, the other list, the happy list. That was a sad list. Don't like that list. Let's read the good list. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Okay, so we've kind of got these two different lists. One is, here, here's the, the results of living by the flesh, and the other one is, here's the fruit of the Spirit, or the results of living by the Spirit. And so I kind of want to go back to our click track metaphor and think about these in terms of, of a click track, something that's trying to keep you on a specific tempo at a specific time or specific rhythm of um, your life. And so if we put these two together, then we've got this click track of the flesh that says, do, do whatever you want. And it's kind of a free-for-all. It's not really click track at all, but here's, here's kind of what the flesh says. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. That, that's, that feels like a very like, positive and popular message, doesn't it? But here's the problem. And what we learn as we live by the Spirit is that we're actually terrible at predicting what's gonna make us happy. <laughs> I mean, how often have you thought that something was gonna make you happy and it just turned out not to be true. So if we rely on what we think is going to make us happy, we're going to fail at that a lot. So just trust God. God created you. He knows you. He knows what's best for you. Trust God. Uh, Also, I think the flesh says, do what wins you approval from others. We all want to be loved and accepted or respected or thought of as funny or smart or kind. And we will often like morph ourselves or try to manipulate our image in ways that we think will win us approval from others. And what we learn when we live by the Spirit is that other people are actually terrible at approving what is really best for us. Like you might get approval from others for doing things that are actually not good for you or good for the people around you. Why would we trust other people who are just as knuckleheaded when it comes to knowing what's best as we are, to tell us how we should live. So we need to just trust God. He created us, he knows us, and he's guiding us through his spirit. And last, I think the flesh tries to tell us to avoid, um, do do what avoids the most pain and and discomfort. We we, we want to, to separate ourselves from pain and discomfort as much as we can. We want to do this for our children as well and and the people that we love. We want to separate them from pain and discomfort. And often we orient our lives towards safety and security, convenience and comfort. But when we live by the Spirit, one thing we learn is that often peace and joy are only found on the other side of pain. And so we don't run into pain. We don't go looking for it. But when it happens, we recognize there's this, God can do something with this. There's an opportunity. I shouldn't just run away from pain all the time. But sometimes I move through it because there's peace and joy on the other side. And we trust God that he's there and it's gonna do that in us and through us.
So um, we have these two different um, click tracks going on in our heads, and we have these different results. And I love the, the language that Paul uses to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, because I think that's a great metaphor. Because um, if you take a piece of fruit off a tree, let's you take an apple off a tree, what kind of tree is that? It's an apple tree. How do you know? Because it's producing apples. That's, that's its nature, right? Apple trees don't have to try to produce apples. They just do. It's just what comes naturally to them. And, and they, if they wanted to produce oranges, they couldn't because it's not in their nature. It's not who they are. And so Paul is speaking to this sense of identity in us. And he says, if you are led by the Spirit, then your identity is shaped by being a spirit-led person. And therefore, what is going to come out of you is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you see that fruit in your life, that's a reflection of your identity. If you see that fruit in the lives of others, you go, man, that, I know what kind of tree that is because of the fruit that's coming out of it. And so um, we, it also works the other way. When we're not seeing that fruit, we have to go back and say, what kind of person am I? What kind of person am I trying to be? And who am I letting control me? So uh, our goal is to, to walk in step with the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, to find our identity in the Spirit, and let the Spirit begin to shape our wants so that we desire the things that God desires, right? It's not just about behavior, but it's about what we really want. And we find that sometimes we have to allow a greater want to uh, control us in the moment. A lot of our regrets come from times when we sacrificed what we want most for what we want in a moment, right? If you think about some of your regrets, the mistakes that you've made, it was sacrificing what you really want most for what you want right now. Can you see that? So sometimes we have to let what we want most, this greater want. So I want to be healthy, but I don't want to exercise and eat well in the moment. So what do I do? I have this choice every day. Am I going to let what I want most, the idea of being healthy, control me, guide me, or am I going to let what I want right now guide me, right? And it works the same. If, if we want to honor God with our lives, if we want to be Jesus-centered people, sometimes that is going to lead us into opportunities and challenges where we have to do something that is not really what we want in the moment so that we can move toward what we want most. And that's what the Holy Spirit allows us to do. And ideally, it begins to shape our desires. Ideally, the more I value what I want most, I learn to actually want to exercise and eat well. I hope that that happens, like I'm praying for it, right? But even if it doesn't, I'm gonna be guided by what I want most. And ideally, as we move toward Jesus-centered living, we learn to want to be selfless and generous and patient and kind. But even if we don't want to do those things in the moment, we let what we want most guide what we're doing in the moment. And why, why is this so important? I think the question we have to ask is like, what, why do I need to be spirit-led? What is the point of me shaping, let my life be shaped by the spirit of God? And my answer is maybe you don't. 
maybe you don't need to be spirit-led. In fact, if, if you're content with who you are right now, with all your interactions with people, your relationship with God, if everything is, is as high as you think it's ever gonna get, you actually don't need the spirit of God to maintain that. You, you can do that all by yourself probably. But if you want something different, if you want to see more of this fruit in your life, if you wanna see more love and joy, more peace, anybody want more peace? More patience? More kindness, goodness? Anybody wanna see more self-control showing up in your life as fruit? Man, you absolutely need the spirit of God. And if you want good relationships with the people around you, you absolutely need to be spirit-led. This is where Paul actually starts. So I'm gonna back up to the verses that, uh, of uh, things that Paul wrote before he starts into this conversation. This is from verse 13. And I want you to notice the tone of these uh, lines. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command and then he goes on to talk about flesh versus spirit. I think Paul's intent for us is to say the reason why this matters so much is because none of us are solo musicians, right? We're not out there on our own where we can live and play by any tempo that we want. We're all part of a family. We're part of a body of Christ. We're part of this group of people that need to stay in line with each other. We need to stay in step with each other. And the only way we're ever gonna be in step with each other is if we let someone outside of us set the tempo, right? So when we live in step with the Holy Spirit of God, we are able then to live in step with each other. And that allows us to fulfill what Paul says is the sum of all of Jesus' teaching to love your neighbor as yourself. If you wanna grow in love for your neighbor, as yourself. We have to live in step with the Spirit. So what we're gonna invite you to do, we're gonna sing a bit, then we're gonna have some time for prayer. And I want you to have this thought on your mind. This is the prayer that I, I want to pray today and I wanna invite you to pray today is, Holy Spirit, teach me to want what God wants and give me an opportunity to act on it today. Holy Spirit, teach me to want what God wants and give me a chance to act on that today. Man, if we prayed that prayer every day, you think God would answer that? You think God would, would respond to that prayer? Of course, I think he would. And how would that shape us? How would that change us as, as we learn to want what God wants? This is about listening to the Holy Spirit and obeying. So at, with that prayer in mind, we're gonna sing a song. We're gonna enter a time of prayer. You're gonna have an opportunity to respond in prayer and even come forward. There'll be some people later on that will be up here that will be happy to pray with you. Um, if you'd like that. And, and this is what we're inviting God to do is, is shape us by his spirit. Help us to be more receptive to what the spirit is doing and um, submissive to what God is trying to, to shape us into. So would you go ahead and stand? We're gonna sing.